Welcome to episode 533 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And wow, we have some kind of, I don't know, hot off of the presses or hot off of the leaks news it, to lead this particular episode. I'm but, super excited about it. Yeah, I knew you would be. I knew you would be. <laughs> I'm not, and we'll get there. Ooh, but hot take. Hot take. Before we get to the news, let's just send a reminder to people that they could send us feedback, which we don't have this time. No. Nope. But they could send us feedback, and we could be reading it right now. Well, next time, right or now. Playing it. They could send us an MP3 also. That's been so long. And all of those can be sent to entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. Indeed. So since no feedback, I guess I just get to start nerding out as we finally have a date and a price for the Xbox Series X. No, actually, we don't have it for the Xbox Series X. <laughs> we have it for the previously unannounced console. The Xbox Series S. S. It's like slim. Ah, what a weird 24 hours in the gaming space. So last night, Therat's website got brought to its knees and taken down, I, I think, due to overwhelming traffic, because I'm pretty sure they were the first to post an image of the Xbox Series S. We'll get into what it looks like in a second. Uh, once they did that, Windows Central posted all of the details that they had about it, and then the whole internet went crazy, posting all the information that everybody had on the Xbox Series S. And then later today, Microsoft said, ah, what the heck, let's just make it official, and tweeted that it was official. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing that's so funny about this is that this is all from a leak. This is all from an accidental kind of momentary post of an image that included all of the information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A little weird, a little weird way of uh, doing it, but it's 2020. Anything can happen. <laughs> and like good on Microsoft for just jumping on this. I, I don't know if you read much of how this transpired, but it was hysterical that they were actually tweeting out memes making fun of themselves in the middle of the night last night. That's awesome. I missed that. That's that's really <laughs> cool. Well, if they would have announced this two months ago, like they should have, like everyone expected, then this, this wouldn't have been a story in mid-September, right? But right. they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now we know. So instead of making our listeners wait even longer to hear the details... Let's get on with it. So the Series S, it is the lower spec version of the next generation Xbox consoles. Microsoft didn't officially announce some of this stuff. We know some of the details. A lot of it we're assuming or frankly are basing off of other leaks that are probably pretty accurate at this point, including a leak that came out later today, which is like the first teaser intro sort of video Microsoft has produced. It's a minute and a half long and it's got most of the rest of the details. So a lot of that stuff we're just going to talk about as if it's confirmed, even though it's not entirely. Well, no, just no, 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 no. It is, it is confirmed now. Xbox, the Xbox account has tweeted that video now. Oh, they have? Okay. I missed yep. that tweet too. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Great. That makes my job a lot easier than tonight. So <laughs> it's, well, so there's still a couple of things that we don't know for sure. So uh, we we know that it's based on similar architecture to the Series X. We don't know for sure that it's the same CPU or the same GPU. It's probably not. Right. Like, it's almost definitely not the same GPU, and it's probably not the same CPU. These are probably both lower-end versions of the same architecture that's being used in the Series X. So lower performance. Overall, 512 gigs of their NVMe solid state storage. We can come back to that, I guess. 
Uh, and then th- they keep talking about the next gen performance. And in their video, it says 1440p at 120 frames per second. Up to. It says up to. It does say up to. 1440p. Right. So <laughs> at least they're not promising 4K. I'd, uh, so I, I'm really going back and forth on this. And you're, it's going to become pretty obvious, I think. Like, there are some things that I'm really excited about here, but there are some things that I think are kind of crappy. Like, that video, at least twice, says next-gen performance. And it makes you think, that, oh, that means that, like this is going to be mind-blowing performance. And then they talk about up to 1440p at 120 frames per second, when the Xbox One X can't do that. The Xbox One X, like, tops out at 1080p 60, basically. So there's no way that most games are going to be hitting 120 frames per second at 1440p. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to be playing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War at 1440p 120 frames per second on this box. You might be playing some, like, indie-style games at that sort Well, no, that's not true, because indie games are ne- never have great performance. But, you know, lower-end type graphical games, m- maybe. But I think they're going to be few and far between. What I think is far more likely out of this box is solid performance at 1080p. And I think probably fairly frequently 1080p at 60 frames per second. Mm -hmm. But on some of the really challenging games, it's probably going to be more like 30. And that's okay in some cases. But it's hard to call that aspect of this next-gen performance. But it will have ray tracing, it will have variable refresh rate, and maybe most importantly for this box, it's still going to have the velocity architecture stuff. And the velocity architecture, that's the cool buzzword for all of that new storage stuff that they're doing with the crazy fast loading times, the ability to like be playing one game and then just immediately jump back into the last game you were playing or the game that you were playing four games ago, because it'll keep uh, you know track of that progress for five games at a time. Like that's that is cool. That is a really big deal that you're going to be getting on this lower end console. I just have a hard time like hammering home this concept of next gen performance because it's going to look better than the Xbox One consoles, but I don't know that it's going to look amazingly better especially not at a at a higher resolution so let's talk about storage a little bit 512 gigs of storage that's like uh, i i think for a lot of people yeah enough for a lot of people i think their gut reaction is going to be that's criminal (laughs) like uh, uh, call of duty modern warfare takes up 190 gigs of storage on my hard drive (laughs) and that's not an exaggeration that is just so ridiculous now, I, I I felt the need uh, tonight because my brain kept going in a million different directions. I'm like, you know, I need to take a break for a second and I need to talk to someone who's reasonable about all of this. So I called Joe D'Astasio, my former co-host on Story Players, the, the gaming podcast we used to do around here, and, and kind of ran a lot of this past him. And he said, you know, the thing that you have to remember is that it's very possible that a lot of games will actually take less space next generation i said what do you mean like how could they possibly take less space and he said well there's two reasons one is is xbox smart delivery where it's only going to have you download the assets that you need so if you're on an xbox series s you don't need 4k assets so you're automatically getting less there but the other thing is a lot of developers were putting multiple copies of assets into games in, you know, like essentially in different spots to help improve loading times. So there's a really great interview that was done with one of the developers from the Spider-Man game on, on PlayStation 4, where they were like, yeah, we had to keep, we had to ship multiple sections of like this part of the city so that as you're slinging, you know, swinging through the city, it can instantly load that part over there and over in this other part. So they they aren't going to have to have multiple copies of assets to do crazy tricks like that because the the hard drive is just going to be so much faster that 
that they don't need multiple copies. So games could actually end up taking less space. Like massive AAA games could be under a hundred gigs. Whereas, you know, a a lot of them now are well over a hundred gigs. So maybe 500 is enough for some people, at least for, for the, the target audience here. Um, I think another thing to consider is that the performance here, it's, it's going to be a lot more like PC gaming where, and, and partly, or maybe mostly because these are basically just computers now. They're not, you know, completely proprietary hardware systems like gaming consoles used to be. So they can do the, the same types of things that PC gamers have been doing for 25 years. You go into the settings and say, I need this to run better, so let me just turn down these knobs. And in most cases, resolution may be the only knob they need to turn down. And that's kind of already built in here. Because they're going to have ray tracing, but if you're ray tracing at 1080p as opposed to 4K, well, that's one quarter the amount of, of math. <laughs> you know? So it, it, it could work a lot like that. And the the other thing that I I brought up with Joe is like, okay, so we've, and now I don't remember the numbers and, and I'll explain why it doesn't matter in a second, but the, the whole teraflops number that we've been making a big deal about the Xbox one S in theory, which this is again, something we don't know for sure about because Microsoft hasn't said the teraflop performance number for the, for the series S is less than the Xbox one X. So the current generation's most powerful version of the Xbox huh. in theoretic, is theoretically more powerful than the Series S. And what Joe said to me, and, and I don't claim to understand this, but I'm going to take his word for it because he's smarter about this stuff than I am, is you can't really compare teraflops between generations. The architectures are too different. You can't compare them. So just throw those numbers out the window. Now, where all of this gets really interesting, of course, is the price. $299, available November 10th. $299 for a next-generation game console is kind of bonkers, right? It, it is, but I mean, this is... And I, I think this is what's so interesting about this platform play. This is really the first driveless console that we've seen, isn't it? Well. It's the first driverless console at launch, as long as you, well, assuming that it launches at the same time as the, the PlayStation 5, because they're also launching a disk driverless console also. Yeah, I, I, right. I mean, because who knows, maybe now we're going to hear that Sony is launching on November 3rd. But <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I, I think certainly that the fact that they have really now no moving parts in this thing at all right this is all solid state so that i think probably dramatically simplifies manufacturing it clearly dramatically reduces the space that they need in the device because this thing is 40 percent of the size of the series x Right. This is the smallest Xbox to ever launch across any generation. So I'm not surprised by the price. It's certainly not the low priced, you know, streaming thing that had once been rumored. That's not where they're going here. Nope. Where they're going here is really where they wanted to take the Xbox One all along. Mm. was to create a digital experience for people and a and and they're focusing on that digital experience you know just forget the discs you don't need the discs anymore everything you have you can oh look get through a subscription from us <laughs> yeah that and that that's a big part of this for sure that is a huge part of this play is you can get this with Xbox Game Pass and immediately have access to a couple hundred games, plus access to every Xbox One game you've ever played, a whole bunch of 360 games, and even some original Xbox games will all work on this thing at launch. So how is that 
every game you've ever played thing going to work. Do we know much about that? Is there something where any disc that you've had, or let's say you even buy something on disc, if you load it on a disc-based system, is that going to be registered? And so now you'll just be able to play it, even though that's not necessarily the way things appear today in the Xbox store. Well, j- just to be super clear, it's not every game that you've ever played. The there's there's a rather large section of the 360 catalog that'll work and a few dozen original Xbox games. It's not all Xbox games. I, I want to be super clear about that. But it is essentially all Xbox One games. So you make a, a really good question when asking about, you know, if I bought this 360 game on disc, how do I play it on this thing? I don't think you do. Because the way that works on Xbox One right now is if you own it, Physically, you have to put the disc in to prove that you own it. Right. So this is really only things that you've bought digitally. Unless they've come up with some less draconian solution to managing your library, somewhat similar to the movie locker that we're used to through Movies Anywhere. Right. Well, and they had announced plans to do that at the beginning of the previous generation. Right. Um, oh, you mean back with that that all digital thing? Right. Exactly. Right. 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 So they haven't talked about that at all, and I'm thinking that means that they probably haven't figured that part out. <laughs> well, or the the ink isn't dry on the I'm sure not fun agreements that they're trying to put together with the providers. Right. Right. So as as I was going back and forth in my head about whether this is a good thing or not, and and whether this will do well or not, I'm really starting to to come around to the idea of, I think this is going to be really big. I think that this actually could be massive for Microsoft. And especially if this ends up being a hundred to $150 less than the cheapest PlayStation five, which a lot of people are guessing the discless version is going to be 450 like $150 less. You still get in the door with the next-gen gaming. And mm-hmm. if you're not playing on a 4K TV, then you might not notice a difference anyway. And most of your old games still work. And all of your old accessories still work, which saves you a huge amount of money up front. You know, if you've got four people in your house that are gamers, that's 60 bucks a pop for controllers or maybe 70 bucks a pop for controllers to not have to buy those because you can use your Xbox one controllers is a huge amount of money saved at the launch of the console. You factor in that you're most likely, this is still rumor, most likely going to be able to purchase this the same way that you buy a cell phone, meaning you use Xbox all access, give them $25 a month. That's the rumor for this. And you get this console plus Game Pass. So, I mean, you're effectively paying $10 a month for this console in addition to your Game Pass subscription. You really think they're going to have that offer with this? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They, they've been talking about all access, making these consoles available via all access. Huh. They haven't talked about the price. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how that comes in, because if that's true, that is just crazy. <laughs> Right. 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 Like that's that's college pizza money. Yeah. Right. So as I was trying to to but explain since all you're this not at college buying pizza. <laughs> right. Yeah, since you're at home with your parents buying the pizza. So I I was talking with Jen about this tonight and you know, obviously Jen doesn't care at all about teraflops and and 1440p versus 1080p and you know none of that stuff means anything to her. She thought about this from the far more like human perspective. At 299 or even better at potentially $25 a month, there are going to be a whole lot more people out there who can put this under the Christmas tree mm-hmm. than you would have expected to be buying a next-gen game console for their yeah. kids. 
And for a lot of the kids, she, she asked me, she's like, when you were 15, would you have known the difference between these two? And I was like, yes, I would have known. Like I was reading video game magazines. Yes, I would have known the difference. But for a lot of kids, they'll be able to say, I don't really care that much about the difference. Like, I just want to be able to go to school tomorrow and talk about the latest video games. I want to be able to come home from school and play the latest games with my friends. And with a price point, like I get it, 300 bucks is still a lot of money. But 300 bucks is a lot less than 500 bucks or 600 bucks that we were originally thinking the next gen would cost. That opens so many more doors for people, especially when you pair it with Game Pass. Like this, this could be absolutely huge for, for Microsoft and, and for the Xbox. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. I, I agree completely. I think the, the pricing is, like I said, I think it's, uh, it's a little higher than I expected, but if it's going to do everything that it does, and I, that's what I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to be as good as they say it's going to be. Right. And if it is, that price is entirely reasonable. It's far more accessible than all of the competition coming out now. It makes it more like, you know, when when I bought the One S, it's because, well, yeah, because it's inexpensive for me to get that i can i can get this and i don't care and frankly you know you give the example of a 15 year old kid if the 15 year old kid is offered the opportunity to get a 300 dollars gaming console or what may be a 500 dollars gaming console i mean shut up and take the console right like <laughs> right. right i mean come on but the other thing, the the other possibility this opens for people, and this was another one that, that Joe brought up to me. Let's say the PlayStation 5 is 500 bucks. You could buy a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox One S still for less than the cost of, of a, a moderate <laughs> gaming computer. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> for absolutely less than the cost of that brand new rtx 3090 that we talked about last right. week absolutely i mean i like your example there just for some context it's absurd because why would you need both but yeah no you're you're absolutely right um well you need both because of exclusives like i have a playstation 4 and an xbox one and a nintendo okay. switch yeah yeah okay and i'm not the only one who does that <laughs> yeah all right all right all right um okay so can we talk about what it looks like Yes, we should. This thing looks like a postmodern radio with a retro feel to it. It's, I, I saw a lot of people comparing it to intercoms at drive-thru restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, ugly. Well, I don't know that it's ugly. I think it's cool looking, but it is different. It is very very different i don't it, know why they had to make the, the whole body white and just the vent for the fan black like just make it all white and i would have been totally fine make it all one color and i would have been fine with it yeah i don't get that either also it's white i mean really did they have to go there did they have to go back to that because it was unpopular the first time. What makes them think it's going to be the thing that people are going to want now? Like, I just, I know they have to differentiate it, but I, their industrial design is just all over the place. Yeah. You know, I, I was sitting on my couch this weekend actually watching TV, which we'll get into later. And I looked down at my, my entertainment console and on, on the right side is my giant AV receiver. On the left side is my black PS4 Slim, and in the middle is my white Xbox One S. I'm like, it looks like a freaking Oreo down there. <laughs> like, my, my entertainment center looks ridiculous. Thank you, Microsoft. Whatever. Yeah, and uh, again, with the One S, I ended up buying, I forget what model it is. It was associated with some game, but it basically dark, dark, like olive green, drab, oh, yes. gray. I remember look, that. So that it almost looks black. Yeah. Because no, I'm not getting a white console. That's ridiculous. It's kind of dumb. It's uh, it's fine. Like, I, I don't mind the white. I do mind 
the white with the giant black circle. <laughs> well, if you do, then you can just put it on its side and it'll just look like a white component. Sure. Sure. Maybe. So there you go. It's it's weird looking. It's definitely weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of the Sony stuff, actually. A little bit. Yeah. With them combining the white and the black, it does make you think a little bit more of the PlayStation 5. But but the PlayStation 5 one still looks like a, a combination of a, a spaceship and the monolith from 2001. Like, that thing is real ugly. <laughs> And, I always thought it looked like a stormtrooper. <laughs> right. You know? And the Series X, it looks fine, but it's oddly shaped. So all of these look kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's fine. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to talk about this? Because uh, that's half an hour on the new Xbox. No, I guess we can stop talking about gaming news and move on to some video <laughs> stuff. Whew. Okay. Finally. All right. Well. Let's jump into actually a couple stories from our friend Dave Zatz over at ZatzNotFunny.com. And one of the things that he posted about was a recent FCC notice that essentially has the effect of rescinding prior requirements for cable providers to support or report cable card use. And that sounds a little shocking. I guess I wasn't as shocked as I, I don't know, maybe as Dave wanted us to be when he wrote this, because I, for some reason, thought that this was all going to eventually time out anyway, that there was a period of time that they had to support this, and then it was not going to be required anymore. Maybe I'm remembering something else. But essentially, this is just saying, all right, we are no longer going to regulate requiring the providers of cable services to offer cable card and to report on how it's being used. Now, his headline for this article is the curtain begins to close on cable card. OK, that that's a fair way of looking at that. Is this the death of cable card are suddenly Spectrum and Verizon and Comcast going to say, oh, we don't have to support it anymore. So screw you, TiVo users. We don't care anymore. No, that's not likely to happen. As long as TiVo has DVRs out there, it's very likely that the bigger companies are going to continue to support them. Now, it may mean that smaller outlets like the service that you used to have Josh mm -hmm. may take advantage of the fact that they don't have to support what is very likely for them more of a liability than a revenue generating product yeah so i'm not sure where i fall on on whether i think this means that comcast and those guys are going to stop supporting cable card entirely i could see them saying yeah we're done like if, if the I, fcc I, isn't going to make us do it then we don't want to do it because I don't buy that. like to call what they do now support is kind of a joke. probably shouldn't have said that as you were taking a drink <laughs> but it's kind of a joke right like every single one of us who has tried to get a cable card for a retail device whether that be a home theater PC tuner from from Seton or Silicon Dust or Hopog um, or or TiVo. And that's pretty much about it, unless you're super old school and like you had a TV in 2006 that had a cable card slot in it. Mm -hmm. Like every single one of us who has done that has had a bad experience because the cable companies suck at supporting these and they always have. Oh, yeah. Partly and maybe, maybe primarily because hardly anybody used them right like we were a small minority of their customer base well that was part of it but from having done uh having worked as a contractor at a cable provider for several years i know firsthand that they simply did not want to provide no. uh, uh, offer the service because it took away from 
their highly profitable boxes that they bought six years ago, and they're still charging you $12 a month to use. Right. So, you know, this was the ire of many of even the large cable providers. But I find it hard to believe that they'd be willing to just cut off their customers, all of those customers that they have. Let's talk about that all, because that all is a little bit shocking. (laughs) Well, real real quick, before you get into that number. Okay. Where I think they might go with this is to say, we're not handing out any new cable cards. Mm. We'll Uh, still support the people who have them, but... Sorry, if if you want a new one, we're not we're not giving you more. I think that's how they could reasonably start to to discontinue it. That's a possibility. That's a death knell for TiVo DVRs, and we had that conversation last week mm-hmm. under a different um, assumption. But yeah, but the number of cable cards out there, according to the most recent reporting, is under under half a million. That includes. All non-cable company provided TiVo devices that are live and all network or other types of tuner devices like the HD Home Run Prime or the Seton tuners for those that are still functioning. Right. Or or anything else that might consume a cable card. There are still televisions out there that can use cable card. Under half a million total across the entire country that's a tiny number now now to be super pedantic only the the giant cable companies are required to report those numbers so okay but the the giant cable cable companies companies are what something like 70 percent of the cable i mean (laughs) right it's like yeah but maybe joe's discount cable in western montana they're all cable card, nothing 90, but cable card. Like yeah, like ninety percent of their customers are on TiVo. <laughs> cable card or us. <laughs> right. Probably yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I and and so a question. <laughs> Man, Dave manages to get a lot out in uh, just a tiny number of words. But a question that comes about from this is seriously, HD Home Run Prime, we're never gonna see that. Like not only have we speculated that we're probably not going to see it because it's been so long, but it just makes zero sense now for Silicon Dust to invest any more dollars of their whatever they, you know, cash, whatever they're, they're using to put into R&D to put out a product for what is now a technology that is just going to do nothing but go down in numbers. And I realize that that's not going to be happy news for a lot of our listeners, but that's that's the simple reality. Of it's the reality. And and frankly, I think we've come to similar conclusions for other reasons that it just doesn't make financial sense considering where the market is going, but now with this, yeah, let's just let's stop kidding ourselves doesn't make sense for this to happen now. So that was story one from Dave. The second story I wanted to cover from Dave was some information that he put out about updates that TiVo is releasing now after what I would call, and Dave has more viciously called, uh, just a, a, a really, really botched rollout of updates that made a lot of the functionality of the TiVo Stream 4K not work properly. And one of the biggest problems was MPEG-2 decoding. You know, that thing that TiVo has been doing for 20-some years now, somehow their last update managed to break that on the TiVo Stream, which meant... Yeah, what yeah, what did that actually mean? What that meant is that if you used on the TiVo stream device, which is an Android TV device, if you use an app like Channels to watch television or or even HD Home Run Prime, or, or rather HD Home Run, 
to run video from your cable card, it didn't work. It didn't get decoded properly. Right. So let's think about how many people that actually impacts. How many people are actually using a third-party TV tuner to stream TV across their network to a TiVo stream 4K? So I think that number is higher than you think it is, because I think the people who bought a TiVo stream 4K are far more enthusiast-oriented than your average consumer would be. Probably. But if they're also TiVo customers, Mm -hmm. uh, how many TiVo customers have an HD Home Run Prime? Probably not many. Again, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I'm I'm just I think that this was just sloppy on TiVo's part with their releases. They were trying to get stuff out quickly to fix the problems that people were complaining about. This is obviously obviously something that got missed when they regressed the software. Now it's getting fixed, and that's a good thing. And the other good thing is it looks like TiVo is very slowly rolling this out to people to make sure that it is not going to cause any other problems before they just give it to everybody. So in the long run, this is a happy ending story. But I I, I don't think it I, I don't think we should just discount what happened with the last release, because I, I tend to feel like if. If TiVo 4K and the TiVo TiVo Stream 4K and the TiVo Stream app itself were so good that no one would even be looking for other ways of using that device, then it wouldn't be an issue. But it's not. It's just not that yet. It has too many holes still. That's fair. And so this week, TiVo announced a potential way to fill some of those holes. Oh, man, we are just rocking these transitions (laughs) until you screw them up. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So that hole that you're describing is really primarily watching local over the air shows through something like an HD home run, probably not an HD home run prime, although maybe, maybe, but probably not. It's probably more likely to be people with an over the air HD home run tuner. So that they can watch their local networks for local news, local sports, and just to have free access to the the four main networks, maybe five if 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 you're really into PBS and stuff. So that's that is an important use case. Well, what, five with PBS? Are you forgetting the CW? Oh my gosh! Come on, <laughs> right? Because without the CW, how would Richard binge? terrible superhero shows exactly (laughs) yeah so okay six with the cw so there's there's a better solution for for some of you out there not me but for if you live in one of 23 select markets and these are all pretty big markets there is a service out there called lowcast and it is a service that provides free streaming video access to your local networks and a bunch of the other local channels that you would get over the air. And TiVo is incorporating it in the TiVo Stream 4K. And we're not just talking about like yet another app. They're doing it the right way. They're incorporating these channels as channels in that fancy TiVo guide. Like the whole reason that you really wanted a TiVo Stream 4K was because of their their you know their their magic guide that integrates all of these other services into one place and now yeah. you're going to get streaming access to your local channels in that one same great guide i think this is awesome this is amazing i honestly don't even remember hearing about lowcast before have we ever talked about it i don't know if we've talked about it much and partly because i prefer to talk about things that i've used and i i don't live detroit is the closest one to me that is available from lowcast and i'm not close enough i tried again tonight and they're like it looks like you're outside of our viewing range yep you're right i am but i was hoping you would let me in anyway Hmm. so i don't have any experience with it but it does like in the detroit region it's like 40 channels yeah 
Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. I, I'm really happy to see this. I love that they're integrating it with the guide. And if you had this combined with the capabilities that you get through Sling TV and their own TiVo Plus channels, if that's something you're interested in, then you have a ton of linear content. And now, Pluto, which I think we talked about last and, week. And Pluto, although is Pluto fully integrated into that guide now? I thought it was. Okay. All right. Well, I, I guess the where I was going with that is now, please. And again, Dave has some uh, some some knowledge suggesting that this is going to happen. But can we please filter that guide? Because <laughs> frankly, there's just too much junk in there now. Right. Yeah. Now it looks a lot more like a guide from your cable provider, right. which is terrible. Right. Right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that, but this is good nice. news. This is good news. Yeah. So, so if they allow Richard to do that, then he can filter it down to CW and the Unsolved Mysteries channel, and he'll be all set. No? Um, no, no. <laughs> all right. So, two more video stories, and two more stories heavy on video today. So, the first, and again, this is kind of a pair of stories that are somewhat related. The first is that LG is kind of confirming, reconfirming, clarifying that indeed their 2018 TV models, specifically their OLEDs, are going to receive support for AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. And there was some concern that this might not be the case. And I think it's just be because the the language around support for AirPlay 2 and HomeKit and Apple TV and what years and what models it was going to be on has just everybody really stressed and unnecessarily confused. So Apple TV is already available worldwide on 2018 and later OLEDs and UHD TVs from LG. So you're good there. Apple AirPlay 2 and HomeKit is separate from that. And I think this is where some of the confusion is. But that is coming. That is in the plan. And I believe it's supposed to roll out before the end of this year. So look for that if you have one of those models. I, of course, do not. I, of course, have a model that's, I believe, two years preceding this one. So if I had a Vizio TV, I'd be set. But my LG TV is not getting updated for a 2016 model. Yeah, you know, you take what you can get. Right. So so the other and, and final story there is that Vizio is getting all this stuff on TVs going back to 2016. So that does include my TV because I've got a, a Vizio 2016 M series TV. And with with the, the Vizio plan they're also getting AirPlay 2 and HomeKit support, which is good. And if you, if this is your, your first foray into being able to use Apple TV Plus, that's the name of it, right? Yep. I, t- I tend to block out things from Apple from my brain. So uh, <laughs> if this is your first foray into using Apple TV Plus, because for me, this four-year-old TV is now... The the first and only device in my house that I could use to watch Apple TV Plus, I, I could sign up. And as long as I sign up by October 16th, I get three months of Apple TV Plus for free. Yeah, and you totally should do that. Why? Why? Two shows, For All Mankind and The Morning Show. Oh, I do remember you talking about The Morning Show. Remind me again what For All Mankind was. For All Mankind is an alternate history of going to the moon where Russia gets there first. Oh, yeah, that does sound really good. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, I might have to do this. And that would be the first time ever that I've used one of the built-in apps on my TV. (laughs) Because who does that when you have all of the video game consoles and an NVIDIA Shield. Oh, right. No, that's a, a really stream. good point. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I, I think the news here, we knew this was coming to Vizio devices 
as far back as 2016. In fact, I think we knew that even a year and a half ago when this stuff was first announced. Right. But the real news here is that you got it now. Exactly. So I guess I need to go try this out. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for all of our our news this week. So we're going to get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. And we both have a fair amount of stuff going on. We've both been watching stuff, even me. And I've been playing things more than just NHL and Call of Duty. (laughs) But before we get into that, just want to ask you a quick favor. While you're listening right now, right this second, take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and go tweet it or Facebook it or Instagram it or could you TikTok it? I don't, I don't have TikTok. I don't know how that works. Share it on social media and let people know about our show so that they can check out uh, all of the, the goodness that we have to provide here for all of you. So Richard, that's it for my little self ad for our podcast. Tell me what's been going on in your entertainment center. No new hardware changes. So let's just talk about what I've been watching. Man in the High Castle season two. Really enjoying that. We are well into season two of Doctor Who now, and we're having so much fun reliving and not so much remembering as looking at each other saying, I don't remember that. Do you remember that at all? No, I don't remember that. So there's a lot that happens in Doctor Who episodes, and you need to pay a lot of attention. So we're thoroughly enjoying rewatching that. Of course, keeping up with Big Brother All Stars. I finished season seven of Archer. I started, oh, I'm so excited. I didn't even bring this up last time. I totally forgot to mention this. Season two of The Boys on Amazon has started. And it is good. And I don't know if you remember or not, but I loved this. I I kind of listed The Boys as some of the best TV I had seen in a good long time when I watched the first season a year ago. And if you remember a year ago, the thing that I thought was so brilliant about the writing was that the whole concept was that what if these people you've come to depend on, the people who the world expects to be the good guys actually aren't. So just to be super clear with our listeners here, because we've talked about your history of superhero shows, you're saying this is equivalent, better, or significantly better than Arrow. I I think that was a low blow. That was a really (laughs) low blow. Besides, I totally enjoyed Arrow. So uh, let's, okay. Anyway, this is really good. It's really good. Josh won't like it. So. I also watched in its entirety because it's an easy eight episode of 15 minute uh, shots, a a series on Netflix called Special. This is definitely not for everybody, but it's something that I learned about by hearing the guy who stars in it on an interview. And it's basically a story about a gay dude in his 20s who has cerebral palsy and trying to deal with life on his own now or trying to deal with just life in his 20s in that situation. And it's written by and it stars a gay guy in his 20s with cerebral palsy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Really cool concept. Yeah. Again, this is not for everybody. And I would warn people that there are, I think there's really only one moment, but there are moments that are probably more graphic than most people would be comfortable with. Hmm. But it's it's a really good series and it is renewed. So there will be a second season. I'm looking forward to that. Still continuing to watch Lower Decks. It's so good. I'm really enjoying that. Also, by the way, happy Star Trek Day, apparently. Didn't realize that we named the anniversary of the first episode Star Trek Day. (laughs) That's what I learned today. Okay. And finally, we rewatched the live action version of Jungle Book from Disney. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that with your kids, Josh. It's... It's an odd, if 
if not intriguing retelling of the Jungle Book story with CG talking animals. <laughs> so I like it, but you know, it's one of those where like, okay, that was nice. How Nothing scary special. Is it? it has moments. I mean, it has it has some scary animals in it for sure. But also, I mean, they have a bear singing the bear necessities. So <laughs> it's intended for kids. The, yeah, there you go. That's cool. So yeah, I, I've not seen that. I've only, let me think for a second just to make sure that I'm not lying. I think I've only seen one of all of Disney's live action remakes. Mm, and it's interesting. the movie I'm about to talk about. I don't know that this is the first that I would uh, suggest you go dive into if you decided to go down that path. But yeah. So they've also done Maleficent, Beauty and the Beast. Also, Maleficent is a completely different retelling of Sleeping Beauty. It is not, it is not the story the way you oh, right. understand it. Right. Because it's all from her perspective, right? Right. And it's yeah. wonderful. It is so, it is so good. So, so good. Okay. That's it for me. How about you? How was it? I want to know. How was it? How was Mulan? Mulan was pretty good. Okay. I, I'm not going to say it's like movie of the year candidate or anything anything like that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm having a hard time. Like, granted, people people know me. They They know my opinions. I'm having a hard time thinking of a Disney-produced movie from the last couple of years that I liked more. Because I don't think Frozen 2 is very good. I don't think the last Star Trek movie was very, or Star Wars movie was very good. Uh, so, yeah, it's the best Disney movie in a couple of years, I I think. Um, cool. It's it's interesting that it's PG-13. Um, frankly, I think for that rating, they could have made it more violent and all that stuff. But they obviously didn't because they wanted, they still wanted it to be a kid's movie. Um I liked, there's a lot that I liked about it. The, the, the cinematography, you know, like the, the filming of it is beautiful. Um, you know, to, to use, to be able to use places in China that are still there, you know, and, and for Jen and I to be like, Hey girls, we were there. We were there. We've been there. You know, that, that was fun. Um, you know, so it looks beautiful. The acting I thought was really good. They have made some changes to the story. Most of them for the better. I, I can't, I'm not sure that I can think of any changes that were worse. Um, the relationship with the dad is better this time around. The, you know, they kind of end up splitting some characters from previ the previous movie into multiple characters. I, I don't want to get into too much of it because I don't want to spoil anything. But overall, I think it is kind of a, a better movie in a lot of ways. Um, I will say that it is... It is a PG-13 movie, and we were hoping that our seven-and-a-half-year-old would be pretty interested in this movie, especially since she's Chinese. And she was a little freaked out by some of the stuff. Like, the the original movie kind of scared her a lot. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I Khan, can definitely the, see why that would scare children. <laughs> right. Khan, the bad guy in the first one, is a pretty scary-looking dude. And he's every bit as scary as a real human being in this one. Yeah. Plus they added a freaky witch lady. So, and lots of actual sword fights and stuff. Now, none of the sword fights are graphic or anything like that. So if, if you're wondering if you can show this to your kids, maybe just show them pictures of the two villains. And if, if that doesn't like super scare them, then they're probably going to be fine. Because there's there's nothing else that's really super scary as long as they can deal with the the sword fights and stuff like that, which, like I said, not graphic at all, but it is sword fighting and catapults and fire and stuff like that. Uh, so overall, good. I, I think that we will be able to get my my seven and a half year old to watch it some more, and I ha I did put it on a, a, for a second time on Saturday, just to kind of try to get her to maybe watch it a little bit closer. Um, cause there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff there. So I do recommend it. I do, uh, I definitely recommend watching it. I do not feel bad 
Uh, I don't feel like I've wasted my $30 in, in what I had to spend to be able to watch it. Probably still going to buy it on 4K UHD Blu-ray when it comes out. Uh, and we'll just continue to watch it when it's available for free in December. But yeah, I, I don't feel like we wasted our 30 bucks. It, it was it was pretty good. All right, I have one question for you that I don't think would qualify as a spoiler. Okay. I really need to know. Please tell me. There's not a Mushu, is there? There is no Mushu. Oh. Right. <laughs> There's also no singing, which is a little weird for a Disney Interesting, movie. Interesting, right? but it makes sense for the tone right. that the ad set for this film. Yeah, it is not a musical. Right. Uh, but there's still plenty of lighthearted moments and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it is still the same story. So you've still got the lighthearted moments with the matchmaking stuff early on in the movie. And, uh, you know, like the how does she hide that she's a, a girl from the mm-hmm. rest of the soldiers. All of that stuff is still there and it's still hilarious. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's good. And and frankly, I think the lack of Mushu is a good thing. I, I was never. Right. Mushu. <laughs> Now, no mushu also means no no cricket, right? And so that's kind of a downer. I like I like the cricket, but I can do without mushu. <laughs> yeah, but you have to have the animal uh, sidekicks in pairs. So right, yeah, yeah. So that wouldn't have worked. All right, so that was Mulan. We also introduced our oldest daughter. She's twelve to the Lord of the Rings. She had never seen Lord of the Rings, and. Wow. Uh, we, we had a moment where the youngest daughter stayed the night with the grandparents. So it was just going to be the three of us for the evening. We're like, all right, this is the opportunity to watch the Lord of the Rings. And so we came home, turned off all the lights, cranked the sound and watched the Lord of the Rings. And okay, wait, 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 wait. you say watched the Lord of the Rings. It's three films. So what did you watch? Okay, we watched Fellowship of the Ring. We weren't going to sit down for nine hours and watch (laughs) all three movies. Right, right. Okay, okay. Because Edward and I have done that. We have just like vegged in the family room and watched the extended edition of all three films (laughs) all day and evening. Right. At first, she didn't love it. She was a little bit bored. And I'm sitting there going, of course she's bored. Fellowship of the Ring? not that exciting of a movie like if it were up to me i would give her a five minute synopsis of the first movie and we would go straight to the second one i realize that that is not a common opinion though but i i think fellowship of the ring is a little boring but yeah but i think i mean it lays the groundwork you really i think you need to start with that i don't know if you would understand as well if you just jumped right into the second film right that, that, Which is by I, in my opinion, the best of all six films. Of all six, you're really including the Hobbit. Come on. Uh, okay, fine. All three, whatever. <laughs> it's it. It is the best of them. Yeah, I I think that Return of the King is just amazing, an absolutely amazing film. Yeah, that one I'm looking forward to to watching again with her. So. She was she was a little dicey on it, but she said today, yep, she does want to, to continue forward and she does want to see uh, the second movie. And I, I figure once she sees the second one, then she'll definitely be in for the third one. And cool. we're not like, maybe they'll want to watch The Hobbit. I don't even think Jen's seen any of The Hobbit movies. I saw the first one in the theaters because I wanted to see the, what was it, like the... 48 hertz 3d i don't remember what oh yeah i never saw that. that they did a 60 they did a 60 frames per second uh or you're right it was it was 48 because it's normally 24 in the theater so it was yeah. for, it was double that and what yeah what was that like i never did see that it was cool like yeah yeah the the effect was mm. cool but the movie sucked so i don't know that wasn't great so i i didn't watch the second and third Hobbit movies and have no intention of ever watching any of them because they're better than the first. You, you don't need to t- take a 90 page book and turn it into nine hours oh, worth of movies. I, I, I know. So, I know. No. okay. So that was Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, that's all I, I watched was Lord of the Rings and Mulan over the last week. Uh, well, and some NHL playoffs, uh, for audiobooks, I finished, the Assassin's Blade, that was that like no collection of novellas of the Throne of Glass series 
started the next official book, which is called Queen of Shadows. That's book four of six, I think it is. Uh, those those are both good and very good. Um, played some NHL and some Call of Duty, of course. And last night, got back into The Last of Us. This is the original, well, The Last of Us Remastered. It's the first, the first game in the series. I'm finally out of Pittsburgh. Man, I think I... I just really suck at this game. It is taking me forever. Like every time I talk to Joe about it, he's like, you know, that's only supposed to be like a 15 hour game. I'm like, yeah, I think I've got 15 hours into it and I'm only like halfway through. <laughs> it's taking me forever. So may, maybe I need to like Twitch stream it and have him watch me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I think that's what I should do with all of these types of games from now on. So uh, working my way through Last of Us also as I'm going to blank on the name of it unless I can bring up the link quick. Uh, yeah. So as uh, back in June, we had talked about um, a, a lot of the sites out there were doing like bundles and stuff and sales around all of the racial, racial justice stuff that was happening back in June. And we talked about one of them, a, a site called itch.io was doing a bundle for racial justice and equality that i purchased and it was a ridiculous amount of games it was like over a thousand games that you got for whatever amount of money you wanted to pay and all of that money went to it's like the naacp and i don't remember what the other organization was but it, it was a big deal so i purchased that and one of the main reasons i got it was for a game that i had had my eye on for a couple of years called overland turn-based strategy by an indie developer, an indie developer out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, by the way, a city that Richard is familiar with and is not very far from me. Mm -hmm. um, cool game launched. Uh, a lot of people might know it as one of the launch games from what did, what does Apple call their game streaming or not game streaming, but their game subscription service on iOS, Apple Arcade. Yeah, that's the name yeah. of it. It was one of the launch games on Apple Arcade. Okay. Cool game started that this weekend finally it is cool I, I i like it i'm not great at strategy games but it's it's a it's a fun game that i'm i'm liking a lot uh and then on the hardware side i mentioned last week my problems with my car stereo and whether i needed to like do a full reset or whatever i tried all of that it didn't work but while reading the manuals i found out wow my car stereo can do software updates that's insane but i'll try it and so I updated to the latest version of the software, which is from 2017. And it not only fixed the problem, it made everything about it way better. Wow. Uh, like uh, previous to the software update, when I would get in my car and start it, it would, uh, it would almost immediately recognize the Bluetooth connection, but it was probably 45 seconds to a minute before it would actually fully connect and start playing the audio. It was slow and awful. Hmm. Now it's just a few seconds, which is nice. amazing. Like if I had to drive down to the corner store, which I would only do if it, like I was buying a lot of things, I'm not that lazy. But if I was driving down to the corner store to pick something up, like a lot of times it wouldn't start playing sound until I was like pulling into the parking lot. Like that's, that's how slow it was before. That's hysterical. That's now that's like the sensors on my <laughs> home alarm. <laughs> Why would you want those to be fast, Richard? <laughs> Maybe it's not the sensors. It's the notifications, but whatever. I'm like that's... down the block with the dog before I get notified. That <laughs> I opened the door to leave. Wow. That's not good. That's yeah. Not, not good. good. Uh, the other thing that it does is it now like displays the episode title and all that stuff, which is cool, nice. but unnecessary. I mean, the, the brightness on the display is so terrible. I can't really read it in daylight anyway. So mm -hmm. I don't care that much. And I generally know what I'm listening to, but uh, it, it's cool that it's all working now. It's funny now that you've said that I'm thinking to myself, I should try that with the truck i should see if because we have a, a panasonic two din like you know aftermarket system in there and it has these horrible software apps that work with it and everything i'm like maybe i could upgrade that maybe it actually has some firmware updates just through like usb or something right hmm. maybe all right you wouldn't believe homework. all the messages i got on twitter that were like 
They still make aftermarket car stereos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. They do. Yes, they do indeed. And when you drive a 10-year-old car, they're useful. So, yeah. All right, well, that is it for what's going on in my entertainment center, whether that be in my living room or in my garage. It's it's all there. So that is going to do it for this week's show. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard. Twitter and Instagram for the website are both at DigiMediaZone. We're also on Facebook and all that other stuff. All of these links are in the show notes over at thedigitalmediazone.com, where you will also find Richard's other podcast. It's called Home On. They cover DIY, smart home stuff. What's the latest with Home On? Yeah, so our current episode with my friend Adam Justice, the CEO of ConnectSense. And I forgot to mention when I talked about this last time that we have a giveaway going on on this episode. So. Uh, listen to the episode and find out how you can get a free ConnectSense Outlet 2. That's a double outlet and USB power block that works with HomeKit, works with Google, works with Amazon, and uh, it's a cool product. So check it, it out. It's a very cool product. Awesome. And of course, we do this show live. We use Twitch to do that. If you're not sure how to use Twitch, just go over to the website, thedigitalmediazone.com slash live, or just click the live button and you can view it right there. There's a chat room. You can see us, you can hear us, and you can participate via the chat. It's a lot of fun. And we normally do that, do that on Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. All right, that's it. That's going to do it for episode 533. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.